Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Greenlight Guru is committed to improving the quality of life, and now we're ready to improve the quality of education and training in the medical device industry. Greenlight Guru Academy is a comprehensive training resource for anyone looking to learn industry best practices with actionable training from industry experts. You'll get on-demand courses that allow you to move at your own pace on topics related to quality and regulatory product development, design controls, risk management, doc control. Honestly, it's too many to fit into a short ad. So if you're ready to level up your medical device education, visit greenlight.guru forward slash academy. Hey guys, my name is Etienne Nichols and I'm the host of today's episode. In today's episode, we got to speak with Marianne Mitchell on the topic of compliance management. Marianne Mitchell is a solutions engineer at Greenlight Guru. She's part of what we call our Guru Edge. Marianne has more than 15 years of experience in medical devices. She's worked in a variety of quality and regulatory roles. And the thing that interested me in her role as compliance manager is that she coordinated a lot of activities across multiple functions with one goal to maintain compliance across the organization and to ensure true quality. So many times everyone wants to do their own thing. So when Mary took this on, I'm sure it must have been like herding cats. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Marianne Mitchell on compliance management. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. With me today is Marianne Mitchell. She's a solutions engineer at Greenlight Guru. Marianne, how are you doing today? I am fabulous. Thank you. How are you? Doing well. Marianne, you're such a great sport jumping on the podcast. <laughs> like last minute, I keep getting this question from people. Are we doing it today? Are we recording today? I'm like, Yeah, we're recording today if you're cool with it. So I'm excited to get to talk to you today. Tell us a little bit about your background. I know we already mentioned that a little bit earlier on, but one of the things that stood out to me in your background was compliance manager. And I'm curious what that role was like and what it meant to you. Yeah. So I've been with Greenlight just a little over a year, but prior to joining, I spent over 15 years in the medical device industry. All of my time was spent in some type of quality or regulatory function. But my last role, I was the global compliance manager, and I was really lucky to be able to create that role. I saw that we needed it in the company that you know, I was kind of doing document management, I was kind of doing change management and compliance on top of that, You know, managing audits, managing our EQMS. So I thought if we had a role specific to the compliance of the quality system, then I could be more focused on that. So that was what my job was. I was responsible for the quality system for a site in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is where I'm based. And then for a few sites around the country as well as around the world. Wow. How many different countries, if I might ask? Let's see. So Netherlands, Germany, there was a few sites in Germany, and then the U.S. Okay. How did the relationship with compliance go across those departments? I mean, you're looking at things almost through a different lens culturally, but just from the compliance manager standpoint, how did you interact with those other companies? Yeah, for one, making sure that we right-sized it because in Salt Lake, we had over a thousand employees. So we were able to get a little bit more detailed on those procedures, add you know a lot of roles and responsibilities. But then we had other sites that only had like 11 people. So we had to make sure that if we're trying to have this procedure followed by multiple sites, we had to make sure that either it was right-sized or if it wasn't, then they needed to have their own process. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So did you see that was kind of a consistent thing where they did have to have multiple of their own or did it cross-pollinate pretty well? 
Yeah, in some cases, and what we were really trying to do towards the end of my time there was to harmonize because we kept acquiring other businesses. And rather than having multiple quality systems, we wanted to harmonize across the world. And you know, sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. You know, for things like CAPAs and complaints, you know, let's make sure that we streamline those processes. But maybe you have a design control procedure that you know one site is only doing like industrial products. Well, the medical device. Um, procedure may be a little bit too heavy. So we really had to sometimes take it site by site. And sometimes if it was a like a manufacturing site that only spoke a different language, you know, we needed to make sure that we had things like work instructions in their native language as well. How does that work with like auditing? Does each site, suppose they do have some specific SOPs and some that aren't, how does that work across those sites? Yeah, I was very fortunate to be able to travel to some of the sites during some notified body audits and some FDA inspections as well. But yeah, they would right size it to that specific site. Sometimes they had their own certificate. Sometimes it was shared between one to two different sites. So depending on the scope of the certificate, uh, the notified body or the FDA inspector would tailor it. Okay, that makes sense. So now you work with a lot of different companies. What are some of the pains that you see companies going through as they're looking for those quality management systems? Oh, so many pains. I mean, document control, design control, not having the experience. You know, they may be very small companies that have five to 10 employees and they're trying to figure it out. They may have this great idea for a medical device, but don't realize everything that comes with it. Uh, so things like design control, risk management, and then just the all those outputs that you're producing. So making sure that you've got your, your documents controlled, changes controlled, bills of materials controlled. So all the little things, but they end up being a lot more than people expect. Yeah, there's a word that you kept saying, and that was control. And I'm guessing yes. that's maybe the biggest pain of all is as you start, you know, whatever device you're building, whatever medical device that you're working on, it's, are you controlling all the different inputs and outputs and the documents related to those? Do you understand the revision and so forth? So I'm sure with your years in compliance management, you probably could go a lot deeper than I could. So I'm curious if we go back to your experience in the field, working directly across different sites, was there anything that you faced as far as how to actually get them to implement it in such a way that it's not just preparing for an audit type of implementation? Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about, but what were some of the cultural barriers that you hit as far as implementing those things? Yeah, this one isn't necessarily a cultural barrier, but as soon as you asked for an example, I remember walking into a conference room because I was called into the room and a group of people asked me, like, we need your help. We need to know what we sent this one company. And I'm looking around and I'm like, it's a group of engineers. And they're like, well, we don't know what we sent them. I'm like, well, did you document the build? And they're like, <laughs> well, we documented a few versions back, but not this one. And I'm looking around like, well, how am I supposed to know? Like I was not involved in it. Like, did you give it to my document control team so that they could document all the different parts that we sent? And they said, no. So again, I was wondering like, what they wanted me to tell them. <laughs> like, well, if we didn't write it down, you know, that's everybody's favorite line. It didn't happen. So there's no way for me to know what we sent. And this was a very high profile customer and they weren't happy. So trying to instill that and engineers love to iterate. They love to tinker, but you need to be able to document something. And that's the importance of it so that, you know, you can go back to that if you need to, you know, what did we send? What did we build? What did we validate to have all that controlled? So I guess culturally, the 
you know, the differences between the mindset of engineering and the mindset of like a quality and regulatory person can be sometimes a difficult battle, uh, lots of education, but that's also the fun part about being in quality and regulatory. I'm glad you gave that example because that's the definition culturally that I'm looking for. I don't know, sometimes I look past demographic and look more at psychographic, you know, it's what are you thinking versus, I don't know, what do you look like or whatever, but yeah, engineering versus regulatory. That's a really interesting contrast. I guess we didn't maintain control in that instance and there was no way to find out. Yeah, we built better processes going forward so that right. we wouldn't recreate this problem, but it was a a cultural change that had to happen in the organization to making sure that we went from a because they were kind of like in startup mode, but then realizing that you need to start documenting and being a little bit more formal in our processes. Yeah. And that maintain control, I mean, it's almost what we're really saying is maintain traceability a lot of Absolutely. times. I don't know, maybe control seems like a harsh word, but if you use that word traceability, maybe that's when I need to maybe implement back into my vocabulary a little bit more because maintaining traceability, I can remember in my background, if you wanted to insult the VP of quality and regulatory, you might say traceability was lost. He's like, we did not lose traceability. And he would kill himself to make sure that we could trace the product. So it was an interesting learning experience for me about the value of traceability because it really is valuable not just valuables required. So what are some other things that you saw as challenges that you, you know, maybe overcome or maybe struggle to overcome as a compliance manager? Probably the over-engineering of processes. Sometimes you want control, but then you put yourself in corners, you overcommit to things. You know, we wanted a very controlled change process, for example. So everybody wanted to know what their step was along the way. And we ended up building a 19-step workflow. So it oh, just God. became a huge bottleneck. And all of a sudden it became my problem and my fault, my department's fault that changes weren't going through faster. So sometimes you can just over-engineer things and make them more complicated than they need to be. Yeah, that's interesting too, because a quality management system is really kind of like a design project. I was talking to somebody else about that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, quality management system. I mean, if you look at the regulations, you look at the standard, it's pretty basic. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's bad. Because sometimes, you know, it says that you need a procedure. That's all it says, you know, and maybe there'll be three or four bullet points on what the procedure needs to contain, but you get to create it. You get to build it. As long as you have those requirements met, then you get to defend it in an audit. So that was some of the things I enjoyed doing was being in an audit and really defending our quality system as part of being a compliance manager. You know, I'd get an auditor that would say, well, there's no watermark on this that says it's obsolete. I'm like, where does it say it needs to have a watermark? It says it needs to be identified as obsolete and I can show you how it's identified that way. So sometimes you win some, sometimes you don't with auditors, but <laughs> I love that you get to defend your quality system. Yeah, so I was never in the defense side. I was sometimes called into an audit room to support or whatever, but I wasn't the one talking directly to the auditor from a defending side, I don't think. So that's really interesting. I'm sure that's, I don't know if it's exciting. I don't know. I don't know what happens to your blood pressure in that situation, but. <laughs> I love audits. I thought they were fun. And and I've, I was in so many audits that I kind of knew what question was coming. So it was almost a race. I'm like, okay, I know here comes this question. I'd already get the document ready to be able to show. So that was, I'm an audit nerd. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned you kind of designed the role yourself as far as this compliance manager role. What's the contrast in compliance manager versus quality manager? Or what are the unique things that you designed into that role? 
I worked for a bigger organization, so we had the um, flexibility to kind of create different types of quality groups. So we had like a supplier quality organization, we had product quality, and then I was uh, solely responsible for the compliance of the quality system in general, which again, touched all of those. But I got to basically create the framework and then have all the different departments feed into it. Okay. So what does that look like when you're I mean, why did you feel the need to build out that type of role as far as, I don't know, all the quality management system parts, if it's touching other organizations? And I guess maybe the question behind the question is, if I'm a small company, and I'll get back, I don't mean to ramble on with my question, but if I was a small company and I have a quality person in place, they're basically going to have to be doing all those things, supplier, quality, just quality in general, how that works, and then this compliance piece. But when you talk about those compliance, building that out when the organization gets big enough, why did you feel like there was a need for that specific role? The biggest thing was, and going back to that word that you use, you know, traceability and you know, a quality system doesn't work in a silo. And what I was seeing is departments working in silos. So the way that I brought the cohesiveness to, okay, you may be doing supplier quality, but this is how you know it needs to connect to the purchasing process and to design controls and making sure that all those different departments were not only communicating, but their processes were connected. Okay. And you had an EQMS at the time. Did you ever work with paper or I'm just curious? I did. Yeah. In a past life. And then when I first got hired, I helped implement an EQMS. Okay. In your mind, what's the difference? I, let's just keep using that word, traceability. <laughs> I like it. I like to have those connection points because when I'm in an audit, I'm showing an auditor a document. Okay, where's the change to that document? Okay, I can easily pull up the change. I don't need to go into a filing cabinet to go find that change into another filing cabinet to find who's been trained to it. If I'm an engineer you know, designing my process, I can have all of my drawings tied to my outputs. I can have my test protocols, test reports right there with my verifications. So having it in at least one location, you know, bigger organizations may have multiple systems, but as much as possible, giving that ability to access your document, but then have the traceability to other processes. Okay. I know we work for an EQMS, so we obviously we've got that on our resume, I guess. But what if I were to make the argument, well, what about SharePoint and Google? What's the difference in using them versus an EQMS? Probably the purpose-built portion. You know, we talk to companies every day that use Google, Microsoft, you know, network drives. I did that in a past life too. It works. You know, it, you know we didn't have EQMSs way back when. You know, it was possible to bring out the binder during an audit and show it, but it just it it would take audits a lot longer. It would make process is harder. And as we grow and scale, not just as a company, but globally, you know, most companies have a global footprint. I mean, I used to have to send documents to other states, other countries for people to sign them. You know, now you can sign things electronically and it's all aligned to the medical device and regulations. Okay. And regulations. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. What's one of your favorite things about moving from paper to an EQMS? I'll give a story from my background and I'll let you think of one for a second, if that's cool. Yeah. I remember we were kind of like a hybrid system at one company I worked with where we used SharePoint and Dropbox for some things, but we also ran and got paper and DocuSign, but we also had physical signatures for certain reports. So I remember one report I was routing and I took it to the VP of quality and he's like, all right, I'll get it signed tomorrow. I was like, okay, so I'll come back tomorrow. Came back tomorrow and he had lost it. He could not find it on his desk. 
And it drove me crazy because I had already gone through dot control. I'd gone through regulatory. And now here it was at the VP of product development is who it was. That happened twice. After that happened the second time, I was pretty much a believer in let's get this process into our online, whatever that is at the time. So I don't know if you have anything that you experienced similar in a digital world. You know, I don't know what the equivalent is, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I've been in those situations. I used to be a document control coordinator, so I would create the actual change packets. So packets of different documents that are changing, you know, physically redline them, you know, hand them to whether it's the engineering manager or the product line manager to sign and the next day it's gone. So now we have to recreate all of that change information. So it just it takes so much time to figure out where it is. I used to have to manage spreadsheets that get, here's the change, here's who it's currently sitting with. Then I'd get it back and I would change the date on the spreadsheet. Now I'd give it to this person, put a new date. So a lot of just administrative work that gets alleviated by having an electronic system, for sure. That last statement you said, the administrative work, I mean... I remember when I was managing a design controls or risk management or whatever spreadsheet you want to look at it. And you look at yourself and at some point you think, man, I'm a mechanical engineer. I didn't want to just change cells all day long and check everything and make sure that it's right before I send it out. So it winds up taking a lot of your time. That's a really good point. So from a compliance manager perspective, how were the relationships with those other departments, that quality department, supplier quality department? Were you guys pretty close? And what did that look like? Yeah, really try to not just with other quality groups, but you know, engineering, production, upper management, really trying to build a good relationship because I always saw them as allies. Sometimes they didn't see me as an ally, but, <laughs> but I was always there for the benefit of the company. So maybe it's not necessarily product quality, which sometimes upper management is more concerned with, but you know, making sure that you make those good relationships so that you can work well with these individuals because they're working right alongside you. You need to have compliance and high quality product. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So that word compliance, you know, sometimes it gets a bad rap. We talk about true quality and, you know, we want to have, for lack of a better word, I use the word excellence in everything we do. I mean, that quality almost gets overused sometimes, but true quality in my mind is true excellence. But that compliance is required within that. So it's almost like your organization broke out like a, a multifaceted gym and had each person really perfecting each one of these different parts. Is there any advice you could give to someone who does kind of have, wears all of the hats? Any advice you could give to that person? Probably trying to have a true quality mindset throughout the organization. Because you know, sometimes we'll say, oh, we're passing all of our audits, so we're in compliance. But are we doing things with the best intent? Are we um, building quality into our processes, into our culture, so that it's not just about passing audits? It's doing the best work, documenting things well, and teaching everyone that it's the right thing to do. Because at the end yeah. of the day, we're making medical devices that are helping people. So if we don't have that quality mindset in our organization it filters into our products. And then that's the last thing we need is a product out in the field that's going to hurt somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very cool. Any last pieces of advice that you'd give to companies who are either working towards compliance or quality, true quality mindset? Any last words? Probably going back to that true quality and trying to understand the values of the organization, going back to you know the mission of your product, the vision, working with those quality groups. And if you don't understand, I think we love to teach. So we want to make sure that you understand the why 
that we're, why we're doing things. You know, why do we document complaints? Why do we need to have CAPAs? Which most organizations aren't big fans of CAPAs, but it's because yeah. we want to improve our processes. We're not here to add more work. We're here to making sure that we have quality product, not just today, but tomorrow as well. Yeah, that's really good. Well, awesome. Thank you, Marianne. I appreciate you talking to me about this role and some of the things that you've done in the past. And uh, thank you. Yeah. Hope you have a good rest of your day. We'll see you all later. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, reach out to Marianne on LinkedIn and let her know. Also, I'd personally love to hear from you via email. If you have any feedback, I just feel like I'm pronouncing things strangely today. But if you have any feedback on the episodes, look me up on LinkedIn or send me an email, etienne.nichols at greenlight.guru. You can also learn all about what we do if you head over to www.greenlight.guru. We're the only med tech lifecycle excellence platform, meaning we have an EQMS that is built for med tech professionals by med tech professionals. In addition to that, we have a community and an academy, community.greenlight.guru or academy.greenlight.guru. Finally, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear from you. It helps others find us and it lets us know how we're doing. Thanks again. We'll see you all next time. The medical device industry is nothing if not unique. So we built software that works the same way. Greenlight Guru is the only quality management system designed by medical device professionals to meet the unique needs of medical device companies. Our cloud-based platform allows companies to bring safer products to market up to three times faster while reducing risk and lowering cost. Visit www.greenlight.guru today to request your free personalized demo of Greenlight Guru.